Greetings, fellow humans and human fellas. Welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetic about the movies that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All stories have something to say, and we love trying to analyze what they capture. Welcome to the Chatter After. I'm your host today, Michael Thomas, and today we are talking about one of my favorite Netflix shows. We just got the most recent season, The Dragon Prince. Uh, The Dragon Prince follows two human princess and an elven assassin as they fight to bring balance to the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's made by Aaron E. Haas, one of the head writers of Avatar The Last Airbender. There's a lot of references to that show, so the pun was actually kind of warranted. But I'm not here talking The Dragon Prince alone. Joining me, of course, are two great friends. First off, welcome back, Christian from Film Optics. How you doing, man? Hello, hello. Hey, what's going on? Um, this is my second time uh, with Michael this uh, this weekend. Yes. Because <laughs> we talked Black Panther, but thank you for having me on, man. I'm very excited to talk about The Dragon Prince. Um, you know, fantasy is like my favorite genre. And honestly, this year, TV has been like killing it. Like oh, yeah. outperforming movies, dare I say, I think it has been. And mm-hmm. we're here. We, we got some more fantasy goodness after House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and the Sandman. So I'm, I'm here to uh, talk some more Dragon Prince season four. That is some good content right there, man. That fantasy fans are living large in 2022. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Joining us, of course, for the first time on the Chatter After, he's the real deal. It's real, James. How you doing, man? Welcome Mike, thank you so much for having me, man. I've actually been wanting to collab with you for a minute now because honestly, your work, I just see how you progressed. You've been growing like month over month and I'm just so proud of you. So it, this is an honor of my own and to really collab with Christian again. It's been a minute. You know, your work with Film Optics is incredible. So I can't wait to do that again, hopefully with you guys. So really excited to talk Dragon Prince this morning. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad we got this crew together and you have been an inspiration watching you guys both of you, over the last couple of years, has really helped me as a creator as well. And I couldn't think of a better crew to, to work with with this one. Sorry, Brandon and Isaac. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> but <laughs> let, let's get into, into the Dragon Prince. But before we do, a little bit of housekeeping for you guys. If you guys enjoy what we do here at the Chatter After, make sure you subscribe and like the video. It really helps us out. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, you can take us with you on the go. You can take the chatter after with you on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and you won't miss a beat. Vice versa, if you're listening to us in the podcast feed, you get to see our wonderful faces here on the YouTube channel, so you can subscribe for that. Especially for Christian. You don't see Christian's face that often because he's an audio podcast. <laughs> I'm not so. camera ready. It's fine. It's, it's good. No, it's all right. <laughs> no, but yeah, make sure you guys subscribe. Without further ado, though, let's get into the Dragon Prince We're going to start with seasons one through three because we've never talked to Dragon Prince on the chatter after. So, James, I want to toss it over to you first. This is your first time here. What are your thoughts on the Dragon Prince seasons one through three? Well, what's really cool is that the way I even got into the show originally was because I was late to the Avatar The Lost Airbender bandwagon. So when I finished dropping my reactions and reviews and coverage for book three, I had a lot of the real family in the comments. Shout out the real family. They're incredible. They were telling me, they said, hey, uh, well, if you like this, you're going to love The Dragon Prince. And I was like, uh, I, I don't think I will. It's, a, it's like a kid's show. I don't know if that's going to work for me. So I started season one. And then after about the first few episodes, I started to realize that the show had a lot of weight that could have appeal 
to yeah. my generation, to adults. And then from that point on, I just got hooked because the good thing about the Dragon Princes through seasons one through three, it just gets better and better and better. And I like that about TV series where they just kind of one up one another. So this yes. show has been uh, so special to me. And also it features one of my favorite characters in all of animation, which is Rayla. She's just an incredible character. So I'm really happy to talk more about that and her role in season four, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's interesting that you actually started right after Avatar and kind of seeing again, Aaron Eyes as a writer kind of progress and where he wanted to take the story in a different direction, separate from what he did with Mike and Brian on the Avatar series, because you can see some of the, the elements are still kind of there. Huh? Elements. <laughs> you can, you can kind of see, like even like calling the seasons books, having all of the elemental magic and having the, this grand high fantasy in a kid's show, I think was, was very, very cool and a nice progression as, as we move on, but still distinctly different. Like we can make jokes and make comparisons, but this is not Avatar, The Last Airbender yeah. <laughs> at all. But I, I think it's cool seeing the DNA still seep in there once in a while. Christian, what about you? So I, I think my relationship with the Dragon Prince started when season one came out. I didn't know anything about it. I was just browsing through netflix one day and it just popped up and i was like oh this looks interesting like i like the aesthetic i'm a big sucker when it comes to like hand-drawn animations or just animation altogether. and i started watching it and then you know one thing kind of just led to another and you like heard caleb's voice i was like i <laughs> i know that voice i'm like you know i started i was like oh my gosh of course you know, Avatar, Last Airbender, DNA, uh, voice actor, of course, for Sokka. Um, it's it's all there. And I just fell in love with it. At first, I wasn't sure when I was watching season one about the animation, but then I just got used to it. And now I absolutely love it. And I've, I've just been watching it like ever since. So I was like, wow, I'm like, why are people not talking about this? And this is actually my first time being able to talk about it at all. Because wow. I thought I was like the only person. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I thought I was the only person who ever liked it. I was like, well, I'm like, I don't know if that many people like Avatar all that much anymore. I still do. But yeah, it definitely, if if you love Avatar less Airbender, this is definitely, and of course, Legend of Korra, you know, this, is, this falls into that realm. And there's a lot of Avatar DNA throughout. It's familiar, but it feels, it's different. Like it is this high fantasy world where you, they show how magic works and that's what i like about the show it's you know it shows the exposition it's not just oh well magic's here we're like well how does it work it's like oh let's just not worry about that magic <laughs> is here but for magic's sake but they they really get into like the nitty-gritty of the world of zadia and there's so much backstory and apparently there's i don't know there's comics or novels graphic novels yeah graphic novels about them i haven't uh touched on those yet but it goes deeper than I thought, but yeah, that's kind oh, of yeah. my relationship with it so far. Yeah, it, I'm I'm in a similar boat. I actually started watching the the Dragon Prince when I was sick, like I do most anime and animated shows. <laughs> I'm sick, I'm at home, and I'm like, okay, let me binge Netflix. And I watched the first two seasons in a day because I had nothing else to do, and it was just so captivating those first two. And then the wait for season three, the way season three just ends is one of my favorite finales in a long time it's it's just so good and these i think what i love about the dragon prince is the characters right and any good story especially any good fantasy story yes you're going on this grand adventure but you're really 
having to focus in on those characters. So Ezrin, Callum, Rayla, having that core group. And then you have the other characters like Soren or Claudia and even Viren and Erevos as antagonists. That's what's really at the heart of this story and what makes it so strong for me is that seeing them develop and change and grow throughout the course of the series is one of my favorite parts of any fantasy story. And this one is no different. I also love how concise this this story is, right? Like nine episodes a season, you're in and out. Most of the time that doesn't hurt it. We'll talk about season four a bit <laughs> in a second. <laughs> but I think the first three seasons, incredible journey. Um, guys, do you have anything else on seasons one through three or do you want to just dive straight into season four? Yeah, I did want to add and uh, kind of piggyback off of what you said, Mike, because that speaks to the incredible direction and writing by Aaron Nehaus and Justin Richmond to give us character depth in nine episode seasons because most of the time you get nine episodes a season someone's getting left behind but for me i've never felt any of our main characters have ever been left behind i mean even king harrow is still right. getting backstory and we're in season four of this show i mean there's so much to learn about the world of zadia and the human kingdoms that we've yet to even scratch the surface i believe and i think that's why season four i mean everyone got their thoughts on it but i do think it opens the door for more lore and i and that's always a good thing for the show yeah, totally yeah. agree. Like, that's one thing I really love. Like, you mentioned King Hera. When you really think about him being in the show, he's only in like three, maybe four episodes max, regardless. Yeah. But his impact is felt all the way up into season four, which is something that I love. Like you said, that world building and the storytelling is just so good. Um, so we get into season four. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to just dive right into it unless you had something else you wanted to, to add right quick Christian. Uh, no, I mean, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it is very impressive for a show that runs about, I would say maybe 22 to 25 minutes per episode. Like yeah, they cover so much and it doesn't feel like there's a second wasted when it comes to even for season four, I mean, it feels more like an app. It's more the aftermath of what happens for season three, but yeah, like it's like not a second is wasted. Like every single scene, um, it progresses the story forward and, you know, the setup and payoff and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I'm ready to talk about it whenever you guys are. <laughs> Let's dive in season four guys. If you aren't caught up on the dragon prince's latest season, the mystery of Erebos, this is your time to leave. You hung out with us for a good 12 minutes or so, so thanks for stopping by. But if you aren't caught up somehow, this review is kind of late anyway, just go watch it on Netflix. It's a blast. So this season, I think, is fascinating because we, we pick up after the events of season three, but we also had a time skip. And if I'm remembering correctly, this is like the first major time skip of the series. Am I right about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, you're absolutely so. right. Yeah, I mean, we've had not a time skip before, maybe like a month or so, but this right. is a two-year gap between season three and four. Yeah, they did the Young Justice thing. <laughs> so um, I think, and it, much like Young Justice, that is a good thing, but also kind of a, a detriment to the season where there are gaps and holes that aren't necessarily filled in. It's like, I'd like to see Rayla leave. I'd like to see all of these major plot points that are affecting these characters, I'd like to see those happen as opposed to you telling me that it happened and I have no mm. connection to it. And I think that's where, because in, in my uh, 
review before the season came out, I got the first four episodes and I was talking about how much I really enjoyed it, much to the dismay of the comic section on that video. <laughs> um, but the reason I was talking about how much I, I love the first four episodes was because we did have that intrigue. I just don't think in the end it ultimately paid off the way I would have wanted it to, which is why Netflix give us the full season because that half review didn't necessarily reflect my full thoughts on the season as a whole. But Christian, I want to start with you. What were your thoughts on like the time jump and how that kind of affected these characters and your perception of them? So much like uh, Stranger Things 3, it felt like an eternity waiting for season four <laughs> for the Dragon Prince. And I was, I felt like when I watched season three of the Dragon Prince, you know, I was caught up with that. But then going into season four, I, like you said, Mike, a lot of things happen off screen. And I was like, did, did that happen? Like it had been so long since I've watched season three of Dragon Prince. Yeah. I was scouring to kind of find some sort of like recap um, video. I know Netflix kind of pumped one out and it actually plays during the beginning of season four because it's been so long. But uh, my overall thoughts when it came to season four, I, I did enjoy it. it. Like I said before, it feels like the aftermath to season three. And I guess you can view that as a good or a bad thing because, you know, they're, they're titling it, you know, the mystery of Erebos. And we do learn more about Erebos um, in season four. But I feel like it's it feels like a beginning of like a new, like, I guess, section or trilogy. Like one, yeah. two, three was like one story arc. I'm assuming, you know, praying here <laughs> for five and six, you know, four or five and six to be like a new, a whole new story arc altogether. So yeah. it feels as if, you know, we were tying up the loose ends for season three and we're moving forward with like a new story arc, which is something I really enjoyed. Um, there's about what, three or four storylines to follow. Within this uh, season, I think it's at least three. Yeah, let's yeah. name yeah. them, Christian. Uh, you got you got the main storyline right going to Umbertor. So that's mm. the A plot. The B plot would be uh, like Vera and Claudia. Yeah. You know, Vera and getting a staff, and then maybe the and C Terry. plot is oh to Terry. Sorry, <laughs> <And> Terry. Yeah, <laughs> can't Terry forget murderer. Terry. <laughs> uh, so the C plot would then be uh, Amaya and Janai, the Sunfire Elves, and Human yes, Catholic, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So and, and I feel like that's what really made it a you know the aftermath of what's happening i mean so much happened in season three it's like you can't just there's so much they had to address but overall i did enjoy it um they, like my only critique i guess i i wish we would have got more episodes i don't know why i just i just wanted to keep going and like you know i was just ready to dive back in but you know we we got our feet wet we're more in the shallow end right now but hopefully you know prayerfully if it gets picked up for season five it's just kind of sucks you have to stand up with netflix now because you never know but um assuming that it gets picked up for like a fifth and sixth season i feel like that's where we'll get into more of like the deep end of you know everything surrounding erevos because he is the the next big bad yeah i come bearing good news it's been renewed to season seven, so you know. That's, oh my god! Yeah. I love, I love the suspense. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here like I could have sworn they announced like a. Year Did they ago. really? I must and have Chris missed just, it. He just missed it. He's like, it's might get canceled. It's Netflix. I'm like, uh, good news for you, buddy. I need ten <laughs> solid seasons. Just, just give it to Netflix. Give them all the time in the world they need. <laughs> 
James, what are your thoughts? Because uh, as Christian was talking, I saw you kind of chomping at the bit there to jump in. <laughs> yeah, listen, I first of all, I loved everything that Christian said. And I was like, yeah, you know what? My mic's on mute. Good. Praise God, because I don't want to interrupt him. <laughs> I will tell you that uh, season four for me, it's one of those growers. It, it's grown on me after I finished the finale. And the reason I say that is because if you view the season as, oh, I need all my answers or all the questions answered in just one season, you're not going to enjoy this season because this is a stepping stone season into the next saga. The first saga was reintroducing elves into the human kingdoms and then that conflict and Viren, of course, trying to take over. And then this next conflict is building up to Erevos, getting him out of that mythical prison and then eventually him being the Thanos of this universe. But the reason I think this season is better than people give it credit for is because in most TV series, you don't give all the answers right away. If you do, it's a movie. It's not a show. You know, you have to keep the viewers attached at the hip. And what did they do by the end of this season? We see the coins, Rayla's parents, and Runan. We see Viren getting the staff back and fully leaning into his previous alter ego which was him being consumed by dark magic and he is totally off the deep end as well as his daughter so this is a season that i think is much better than people will give it credit for it's not perfect and it does have its flaws but season four was satisfying for me as a fan and even though it was a three long year wait i mean the pandemic affected everyone so i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt there yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned that right being the stepping stone to something greater it really felt almost like a season one in a way in that sense where the the third season was such a big finale to what that arc was. This was all, and I think that's probably why they went with the time skip. It's a reintroduction. We're basically jumping into a new point in the story, which I think is, is great. And I, I do want your guys' opinions on like this entire arc as a whole, because I'm with Christian in the sense that while I enjoy, I enjoyed every episode we got. Like, I want to make sure that's clear. I don't have any problems with the episodes themselves. I felt like I needed two or three more. <laughs> and it kind of like, I think in the writing process, they knew that they had more seasons to come. Already confirmed. So I, I wonder if that kind of hurt this season in a sense that, yeah, we don't have to have the, the giant finale that we were accustomed to because we already know where we're taking the story next season. We don't have to have that like giant battle or gut punch or emotional moment that we've come accustomed to in the first three. And I I want your guys' thoughts on like, do you think it was a satisfying conclusion to this story, to this season, or did you want a little bit more? I think it was, oh, sorry, go ahead, James. No, no, you go first. first. (laughs) I I think it was satisfying because what makes a good TV show, like James said, before like you're not going to get all the answers and for some reason nowadays people forget how tv works and i'm like you're not it's it's like house of the dragon like house of the dragon is leading up to the dance of the dragons it's leading up to the downfall of house targaryen you're not going to get all of that in season one like season one was the setup for the war to come and everyone's like you know oh well i wish we were going to x y and z and it's like well the story's not done so Anytime a series of television has me wanting more, you know, like kind of nibbling at like those loose ends, I think it's done its job like perfectly because I like I wanted more. It's not a necessarily a bad thing. I guess you could spin it that way or as a like nitpick, but yeah. I mean, I've <laughs> I want season five already. Like I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go. So I, I think they handled it very well. 
James. And, and I, I'll say that the finale and episode four, those are my two favorite episodes. And it's no coincidence that episode four is the start of act two, which is like you get in the meat of this season. And the finale is the stepping point or the stepping off point for season five like the writers they know what they're doing episodes one and two i honestly i know mike you said you have no issues with any of the episodes for me episodes one through three were very much filler episodes for me i didn't care for them necessarily it was a sluggish pace but the minute episode four began i just knew that this show oh we're back like the dragon prince is back and i do think because of this long break they knew we're getting new viewers that are picking up this show during the pandemic we need to reintroduce them into this world without it being too confusing and you know with any great television series there's always that one season that it's not a bad season but in the grand scheme of things it does feel like a lame duck season because it needs to either get everyone introduced into what's going on set up stakes or leave questions unanswered and fans hate that for some reason i had people in my comments saying well i stopped watching after episode two it's a terrible season i said dude you haven't even gotten to the best part of the show yet you know (laughs) have you watched a television series before this is not becoming of a tv viewer and that's the problem i think with this model every now and then if this were like a weekly release I think fans might be more forgiving because it's dropped all at once. Everyone feels like they need all the answers at one time. That's not how it goes. So I enjoyed the season. I just think that people, fans in particular, especially the hardcore fans, might be a little too harsh on season four. That is very, very valid. Um, because again, even in my review, you know, you, they dropped episode one on the YouTube channel and on Twitch. And everybody in the comment section are telling me it was an awful premiere. Clearly, Netflix paid you off because you liked the first four episodes. I'm like, you haven't seen the rest of the of the show yet. How can you, how can you say that? I have a rebuttal for that because uh, House of the Dragon did the same thing, where they yeah. put the first episode on YouTube for people to watch because they want people to subscribe to their yeah. So I just <laughs> I just thought that was a, a really funny funny response. It's like um, episode four is where the show starts. You, you're totally right, and that's why it was so annoying because. They just dropped me off at episode four and said, you got to wait like three weeks <laughs> to get to get the rest of it. But yeah, that, that's totally, totally valid. Um, yeah, that's that's one of my problems with the Netflix model in general is that I think it it it's bad for TV and it kind of it spoils the viewer in a way because you can just bend straight through everything and get all the answers. Um, with that said, though, let, let's talk about the actual the plot of this season and Rayla's disappeared for a long time. Ezrin is still king. Callum is just becoming a master <laughs> in his field. Coming, he, like he has no doubts anymore on who he is as a mage. It's fantastic. Christian, I want to start with you. We, we get dropped back into the Dragon Prince. I know I know we needed the recap because it's been a long wait. And I know James, I think, is the only one who was able to rewatch the, show, the other seasons. Oh, did you? Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, because he's going, yeah, that's right, yeah. going into this. But, like, how was it being dropped back into this world and discovering who er- who Erebos actually is and seeing how things have progressed? Being dropped back into the world, it's, it's always a welcome back. And I know it's been, like, three long years. And even with the first episode, you know, everyone's getting these new titles. Everyone's you know, getting these promotions. We, we have the, the minister of, you know, was it uh, jellies or I, I can't remember the, I'm sorry. Uh, the baker's um, name. Yes. Uh, Barris, Barris. Yeah. Barris. Yeah. And he actually has like, it's, that was like reminiscence of like uh hand of the king. Cause it's like his little, yeah. His little yeah. 10 thing. I was like, Oh, there it is. 
is. But shout um, out to the crow master for getting the promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't it assistant crow master now? Like assistant, assistant manager to the, to the general crow manager. Master. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dwight Schrute would be proud. <laughs> He'd be proud. <laughs> assistant to the original crow master. <laughs> But I, I mean, the first three episodes, yeah, it is more reintroduction, but it felt like, hey, welcome home. Like, we're finally able to see where these characters are, are in, you know, within this two-year time job. I mean, in the animation, it just, it just looks phenomenal. You know, everyone's looking a little bit older, and everyone's going through their own, their own lives. It's just kind of like a day in the life for, like, the first three-ish episodes, but... I I enjoyed how Callum has you know come into his own when it comes to trying to figure out about the mirror, and then that kind of just leads one thing to another. Then of course Rayla appearing out of nowhere. We're talking about spoilers right now. I just wanted to make sure. We're probably... Spoiler podcast. All okay. right, <laughs> spoiler podcast. Let's. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it it was a nice return to um to to the world of the dragon prince and but i i don't know like going back in i just i just enjoy seeing everyone's faces and then i was wondering where the story was eventually going to be picked up and then obviously that does happen but i mean just the new characters that we got especially with the like earth dragon and that whole you know the the knowledge versus possession type argument because you know callum says oh you know they're looking for the map yeah. to Erevos. I'm sorry. Like I said, it's, I watched it like all day one and I haven't gone back and rewatched it. But it, it was it was a nice touch. And of course, there's a few nice little Avatar last airbender Easter eggs in there. One in particular that... <laughs> I know I exactly I which one. I think I actually spoiled it for Mike because I thought he watched the whole thing. And, Jerry oh, Duty that's sucks, right. man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I, you know... But it's not that a, brought it's a not smile. A spoiler. To, it, it brought a smile to my face. But um, yeah, just returning back to the world was it was a breath of fresh air. I was like, I forgot how much I missed it. And I was just, you know, when's it gonna come out? It's waiting and waiting, and then it I think it paid off. But I know that's like a general answer, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> you're good, you're good. I, I'm glad you you kind of touched on that reintroduction, right? And one of my favorite bits is Say what Claudia's been up to for the last couple years Seriously. trying to, to bring Viren back. And now she's she's essentially taken Viren's role as being like the aide to Erebos. And I thought that was a fascinating spin on where at least I thought it was going. I stayed away from trailers and everything. So I had no I didn't even know there was a time jump until I watched the show. <laughs> and so Same. that that was that was very, very cool for me. James, what were your thoughts on some of the characters and where they ended up this season? So I I really enjoy that the show splits itself into three separate storylines and that our characters aren't always interacting with one another up until the end. I mean, actually, now that I think about it, doesn't Maya and Janai like not interact with the kids at all? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. They're just like yeah, off on their, their own, own this line. whole season, yeah. except for episode mm-hmm. one, maybe. But well, I honestly so feel weird. like Amaya only interacts with Janai the entire season. I think no, so I think too. you're right. It's they're very easy storylines to follow as well. Yeah. They are. And, and the, the one thing that I really enjoyed about episode one, even though I did feel like it's one of the weaker episodes, is that it felt right. 
to be back in this world. And and that's what the writers, I think, were banking on is that, okay, we need to get them into it slowly. We can't shove everything in their face all at once. We can't throw in Erevos in every scene. And, you know, just sorry, before I lose this thought, I don't know if it's intentional with what they did with Erevos this season. But what I love is that they're treating Erevos like Dave Filoni treated Darth Vader in Rebels. Whenever he's on screen, it's a serious deal. And what was it in episode four? He controlled Callum and read everyone like a book. So I thought it was really beautiful to see that they are using this season to set up a more mature season to come with season five, six, and seven. It just, I, I do wish that if they would have spent time with a filler, like with filler episodes, it was only with episode one. I, I did think that they needed to pick it up a little bit more. And maybe then Christian, you wouldn't have felt that they needed to add more episodes because in previous seasons, when I did my rewatch episode one of every single season so far has been very slow, but then two and three, boom, you are like right back in it. Mm, but with yeah. season four, it was like super slow up until episode four is when we hit it into overdrive. So I really did. Uh, it's not that I didn't like this season. I just feel like it's the weakest of the four. Yeah. that we've gotten so far but that's not saying that this is a bad season i just really think it's good to be back in catullus and zadia mm. that that's valid i'd say um especially again we were talking about how tight that the, the storytelling was in the first three seasons in the same number of episodes yeah that's a very valid criticism of taking a little bit too much time kind of meandering a bit um what as we move past episode four, though, I think that's when we really hit the ground running. Um, the, the mission is clear from that point forward. I love uh, Ezrin in the season two, like him being king and trying to figure out the best path forward to peace, which I think is very fitting for that character. I also love how he's still very immature <laughs> because yeah. he, he is still a child king here so <laughs> we bargain with this giant dragon it's like yeah here here's a pastry Th that's it that's a very michelangelo-esque type of deal right like here, here's a pizza dude that's gonna solve all your problems <laughs> but i think it's, it's very fitting i i want to talk about rayla because mm. she's the one character who we don't we still don't really know what she was up to during those two years. We know she was looking for Viren and Claudia, but we have no like official confirmation what that journey was like for her. James, I'm going to toss it right back to you. You said she's one of your favorite characters. What are your thoughts on how they handled Rayla this season? So I, I have my issues on the way they handled Rayla this season. And it's not to say that they did a poor job. It's just for me, we needed a Rayla alone episode. Like, you know how in Avatar yes. The Last Airbender we got Zuko alone? We needed a Rayla alone episode to really fill in the gaps. And I thought that was actually coming. When I talked about it in my predictions video, I said to myself, they're going to do that maybe episode five, like right the middle of the season. Give us an episode to fill in that gap. If she's looking for Rayla, show us how she's struggling to find him. She's out on her own. She's growing as a character and she still loves Callum. That would have made her return much sweeter for me. But it just never felt like they wanted to get there and i do remember hearing if i'm not mistaken the creator saying you don't have to read the short stories or the graphic novels to fill in the gaps but apparently there is a graphic novel out there that details where rayla is after season three and it's not touched on in the show and, mm -hmm. and that's actually a little disappointing for me because you can't expect new fans to really dive into every single book of game of thrones for example and then understand the show and not touch on those things same thing with the dragon prince there's a short story out there that shows this letter that uh is being written to callum and then callum breaks down reading it and it talks about her going out and looking for viren to keep callum safe but is that all 
is she trying to really look for her parents for runan like athari like they're she's going back and forth and i feel like the whole time in this season at least up until the finale she was trying to get close to callum again she was trying to like make up for that lost time and that's actually downplaying her character and her importance she's a warrior and she will do anything to protect those whom she loves but in this season it was really more of hey callum i, I love you do you still love me and i'm like eh, don't do that to her character and then in the finale of course we learn that she's got this new quest to go and free her parents which is cool but that doesn't yeah. come until very late yeah I i'm glad you mentioned that and that's one of my biggest issues as well is that and, and you're right having that rayla alone type of episode would have solved a lot of the problems because I understand that they're teenagers. Love is weird. But also, we have no idea what the heck happened these last two years. And I thought like, I was going crazy. I was like, did I miss something between season three and season four? And I was like, I, nope. <laughs> I watched episode one of this season so confused. I went back to season three and watched the last three episodes to see if I missed anything. Because <laughs> that's how that's how long it's been and that's how confused mm. I was. But yeah, like it, it's one of those things and Christian, you're, you're going to get a kick out of this. It's very Naruto, right? Where Naruto <laughs> has all of these filler episodes, but a lot of those filler episodes are adaptations of some of the novels, some of the light novels, and they fill in these gaps. You understand Kakashi as a character, even though the main story never touches on it. You have, you have this section that's considered filler but it is like his official canon origin story of him mm -hmm. being like a member of the Ambu Black Ops. We kind of, we probably should have had something like that, not necessarily make them filler episodes, but these first three episodes of the season really could have just been like, this is what Rayla's been up to. This is what Claudia has been up to. This is what Ezra and Callan have been up to. So when we get to episode four, we are now caught up to speed on everything that happens. And we can just go from that point forward um, because it, you're right. It really just, wastes her as a character for most of the season where it's like yeah it, it's Rayla sounds like Rayla acts like Rayla but there are moments where I'm just sitting here like she, she's becoming that Sakura type of character going back to Naruto oh where all she talks about <laughs> is Callum like how Sakura only talks always about Sasuke, Sasuke. always <laughs> and it's it's not fun I'm glad again like you mentioned James that they kind of fixed it by the time we got to the end of this story to where it's like okay she's got this new quest she's got this new mission and callum understands it to where they have that mutual understanding like this is what i have to do and she's able to fulfill that she doesn't go exactly as we expect it to uh i thought it was really clever that claudia kind of tricked her at the end there which was kind of cool it was also a nice moment having her go back to her mm -hmm. but we can talk about them in a second Christian, did you have any thoughts on how they handled Rayla or any of the like specific character beats that that you were really into or not into? So, um, just to kind of piggyback off what um, James said about Rayla, I I think he he pretty much he nailed it there because I I just didn't know what was happening with Rayla, but like it's clearly <laughs> Callum is like completely brokenhearted. He wants nothing to do with her at all, like anymore and it's like she's trying to like hey like i'm back you know that counts for something and he even said in the first episode he's like you know it's no longer my birthday it's always just going to be you know the day that she left and i was like that's just so heartbroken and it's it really makes you think because you would think oh you know she's back and 
Callum would be okay with everything, but like he's not. He's still trying to process everything, and it's like, I, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever get back together because like this this man is hurting like a lot. So I'm like, you know what? I don't blame him at all because you just disappear for two years and come back and try to act like everything's normal, and it's like that's not how this works, you know. Like hasn't you know really heard from her, and it's it's very heartbreaking. But I will say. Stop huh? this, Christian. You stop this whole Raylam is broken up nonsense. <laughs> this talk. How dare you put that out there, bro? They hugged. They, they, hugged, they did. Bro. They did. They, they you got did. a moment. <laughs> well, were they on a break? I don't know. But this is no, we're not doing that. We're not no, doing that. Not. No. <laughs> but no, I mean, overall, um, I mean, yeah, James made really uh, great points when it came to Rayla's character because she's also like one of my favorites. I, I just love. Her, I've always loved her as a character, like, but I would say between General Maya and her love interest, uh, uh, Johnny, uh, Janani, I'm sorry, Janai, Janai, sorry, <laughs> it's been a long morning, guys. I, I, I enjoyed watching that storyline because it still shows that there's a lot of distrust between humans and the elves, even though you know they kind of you know banded together, but it's. It's there's a lot of friction there, and you know not everything is going to, you know, work out hunky dory. Like oh, you know, like well, you know, we have like human and and elf getting married. Like things are okay, and it's like no, it's like we see a lot of uh, resentment, pushback, a lot of issues, especially with uh, um, Janai's um, brother, because he's just like, hey, um, I don't really think you should be marrying this human, like that kind of thing. But you know, he's very set in his ways when it comes to you know. The, um, the sun elves and it's just it, it was it was pretty interesting to see i i like that dynamic for it being a c plot i think it was pretty strong honestly <laughs> yeah. yeah and i kind of wanted to piggyback off of you uh christian just to like stay on this because the episode where we get the most development with that plot is episode six it's the drakewood episode and mm. to me i loved how they balance both we balanced uh, Ezrin, Rayla, Callum, Sor, and everyone in the forest, right? And then you had Janai basically not knowing a coup is about to happen with Prince yeah. Kareem. And yeah. that, to me, felt like the most layered episode because it felt like the world is starting to be fully realized. Like, there are things happening outside of this quest to go and stop Erebus from taking over the world. You still have real-world issues. It reminds me of Andor. Like, yeah. Andor, like, there's, there's something bigger happening than what's on the surface right now but um if you can give me andy circus uh, building parts with <laughs> diego luna i'm good with it because it just makes the big world feel small and that's kind of what that uh subplot did is that it made everything feel small and more intimate so i'm really glad christian you loved it too yeah and then um i would say probably between claudia you know her trying to get her father back on track i mean granted man only has 30 days to live at least for now and he was he was so resentment but his he not resentment he was he was worried because it's more of you know she has her father's staff claudia has her father's staff and he's very just like i don't know if i should be messing with this anymore because i mean hey you know you've been dead for two years and it's like that's a pretty big shock and he's you know they're going up to across the mountain where essentially where he fell to his death like yeah that would trigger anybody i would feel but I, I really enjoyed uh, that story aligned to just trying to, they're trying to free Erevos and it, it's, 
everything just kind of weaves together outside of the, you know, the C storyline uh, between the A and the B and, and how they all meet up. But yeah, I mean, I don't really have too many like gripes, but I really just enjoyed um, us learning a little bit more about Erevos and how he's able to possess Callum, which was very interesting. And he being a mage himself, when we learned that Erevos his main target audience, I guess you could say, are mages. And, you know, that puts Callum at a very big risk. But he didn't like the feeling of, you know, being taken control. And he makes Rayla promise him, hey, you know, if, if this happens again, if I can't, you know, become or if, if I can't, you know, control my own body, it's like, I, I need you to end my life. And, you know, there's a little bit of pushback here and there, but everything is kind of just weaving together. It's, it's the beginning of a new story arc and I'm, I'm very excited to see where the rest of the stories go in. That, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that, that, that just made me laugh a little bit because I'm, I'm a big avatar dork. If you guys couldn't notice by what's behind me, but, <laughs> but and the yip yip thing that happens, I laughed. I rewinded that part like five times in the Drake Lloyd episode. It yeah. was like, fly. <laughs> Yep, yep. It was like, yep, yep. oh, <laughs> no. But like, one of the one of the plot lines in the first book, post book three, like the first comic book, is that Zuko asks Aang, "If I go bad like my father or sister, will you kill me?" And that is a very similar plot line to this season. And they didn't linger on it too long because mm-hmm. uh, that's the entire point of the promise of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, but I just thought it was interesting how they kind of like, yeah, this is book four. And we're doing the same the same idea. It's just kind of funny because that is <laughs> that, that is essentially book four of Avatar. It's the first comic book post the war. Mm. Um, you guys mentioned Amaya and, and uh, Queen Janai that that plot line. I enjoyed it for the most part, but this is one of the moments again for me where I feel like we needed an extra episode because her mm. brother is so adamant about the people not backing her or feeling safe under her leadership but we never really see it. We just see him being concerned about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I like I kind of wish we got more perspective from the elves in that community, in that in that kingdom just to get a, a better idea of what the overall sentiment is among her her subjects. A- am I wrong there? What do you guys think about that? No, I don't think you're off base. No, I, I, I will think- tell you uh, the the final fight. The reason why I think having a solo episode for them would have been a really good idea is because that final fight between Janai and Kareem, to me, it felt anticlimactic. They kept splicing together both what's what's going on in Umber Tor and what's going on with this this fight. You know, basically, uh, it's Janai wins and stops the coup. If Prince Kareem wins. Like Janai and Amaya, they they go off on their own and they're banished forever. So that fight should have had more weight, and it would have had more weight if, like you said they would have added an extra episode or some more time spent because I want to see Kareem try to like get the order together and be like, guys, like convincing everyone like Game of Thrones stuff, right? I mean, that's what mm. would have that's what have benefited that plot a lot more. But I, I still enjoyed it. I just thought it was really anticlimactic at the end. Yeah, it, I agree with you there. Christian, were you about to say something? No, yeah, I I, I think um, James has been on point this entire uh, recording. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit of the concern of the sun of the other sun elves when it came to uh, Janai's wedding uh, with Amaya, because we only really see it like it's almost as if 
as if uh, Janai's uh, brother was just like the spokesperson for everyone else, but we didn't really see the distrust between the other Sun Elves and like, you know, if they were okay with this type of marriage, it was kind of just him saying, oh, trust me, you know, like the people are not going to be happy about this. Yeah. And yeah, I wish we were going to like maybe just one more episode with that. I feel like if this was like maybe just 10 episodes, maybe 11. I think I would have been good. Because, you know, like the episodes are so short, which I mean, granted, I wish they were longer, but it's like the world is so rich that it's it's actually kind of an easy binging experience. Yeah. But yeah, that that was that would have been something nice to see. Uh, when it comes to the mystery of Erebos, I, I mean, we do uh, learn a lot more about him. But for some reason, I felt like we were going to get a little bit more deeper into his character within season four. But now I... Again, I didn't know this got greenlit up to at least seven seasons, which makes me extremely happy. I'm like, yes, but I'm assuming, you know, once, you know, the, uh, the other seasons come, well, we're going to get more into his, um, into his character and into the depth of his, uh, of his where, uh, his whereabouts as well. So I'm just and wondering they, where he's at. Cause it's like, Hmm, very interesting. exactly. Christian. And they need to do that because I think they will really lose this audience if they don't really do a deep dive into Erebos in season five. Okay. We got that cool moment with him. Amazing. But it felt almost too much like a tease because look at all of the it posters did. and the, and the uh, official art that was being released, the clips, yeah. everything pointed to Erebos being a major player. And he has one appearance outside of the flashbacks, but one appearance in real time. And that's, to me, a little too disappointing to where, like, I, I can't forgive that now. I'll forgive it if that means in season five we get not a lot of Erevos, but more than just mm. one appearance. Because, I mean, we all agree that he is the big bad. But for some people, they probably don't see that. Like, if you were to just say binge seasons one through four... The show's telling you he's a big bad, but is he the biggest bad? I mean, Zubaya says that he is literally the most powerful, like, creature, okay. person in all of the kingdoms. Like, yeah. so why are we not getting that sense yet? That, that's my biggest question. Yeah. yeah, it still feels like it's veering, really, especially when you have that that ending in the in the finale, right, where he picks the staff up and then his <laughs> eyes go black. And it's like, oh, that that's the fear that I should be feeling with Erebos and I'm just getting that from Veer and Claudia at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I mean, you know, Erebos is, you know, he's he's a little trickster. So I mean obviously he's using a lot of people for his pawn. And we see that in the opening credits as well. And there was one opening credit where they switched out Claudia's father for Callum. And I was like, mm -hmm. hmm. And I thought it was going to be like a new person every single episode. Can I tell you guys how wrong I was about one of my predictions? Yeah. My, pred my prediction was episodes one through three, you'll get Viren in the intro and he turns into stone. And then it's like, oh, that's his current pawn. That's who Erebos is using. And then in episodes four through six in the second act, we're going to use Callum. So we're going to get Callum in the intro. So when we got him in episode four, I'm like, yes, my theory is coming true. And then in episode <laughs> five, it never happened. Went back to Viren. But I thought in episode seven through nine, we would get Claudia because she would be the final pawn he would need to then break out of that prison. And it never came to pass. But I almost feel like maybe that could have worked this season. It, it could have. It could have, really. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was I was a bad boy and just skipped because Netflix gave me the option to skip the intros. <sighs> never <laughs> skip the intro. And I, I well, personally I, never... <laughs> I watched the first two and they and they were the same, so I'm like, okay, I don't need to watch this. I don't even. This is the first I'm hearing that the fourth episode had a slightly different intro. Yeah, it was just Callum instead of Baron. Yeah, I was okay. like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah, I don't know. Much like Avatar, Mike, I never skip 
the intro. Well, for that show, I'll never skip that intro. Never. But Netflix has robbed me of that for the last like four episodes <laughs> of book three. It's fine. But no. <laughs> yeah, it, if you guys didn't know, Christian is really salty that Netflix starts merging episodes together now for like, some reason. What is, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm 16 just episode season for book three of Avatar. According I was like, to that, math, that math doesn't add up in my head. The math ain't mathing. It's like Zazlav. Right. Oh, it's been 15 years since we've had a Harry Potter. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But um, I, I kind of want to touch on Zim just a little bit. I mean, yes, Z- Zim is Zim, but I, I like the, uh, the dog like features. You know, he's getting a little bit more mature. He's kind of like in that teenage adolescent phase, but. I really appreciate how he was he he felt more like a character. I mean, he's always been there, but you know, especially with his father dying and then I I'm blanking on the earth dragon's name. Um Rexignius. Yeah, yeah, Rexignius and learning the relationship between Zim's father and Rex was it was pretty interesting, um to say the least, but yeah, I I I just enjoyed seeing Zim again. It, it was nice to, to to have him back. And I, I do want to piggy. I'll, I'll piggyback off of Zim now because I was going to ask you guys what you thought of the animation. But for me, the animation was at its peak with the arch dragons. Like they yes. looked incredible. Basically, every dragon that we've seen, even the dragons in the Drakewood episode where Soren has to break this dragon, it looked great. And the thing is, I, I don't know why that couldn't translate into the animations for our human characters and elves. I, I feel like all of those characters, the animation was really stiff. That's actually my biggest complaint this season is yeah. I do feel like the animation took a huge step back really oh yeah yeah i can see that yeah sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i i kind of agree there where it it didn't necessarily bother me but again this is me coming three years (laughs) removed from the last season so it's like i could just be like maybe i'm misremembering maybe it was kind of always a a little rough like this Mm. no that's okay see that's why i pays to to, to rewatch everything (laughs) with that long of a break in a fun yeah. fact, Mike, uh, in the intro for season four, the art style there is actually the old art style in seasons one through three, especially three. So I almost wondered, did they draft up that intro, like maybe at the height of the pandemic or right before the pandemic? And then like, you know, production delays and whatnot. And then they said, you know what, let's use more 3D CGI models instead, because I, I don't know, it just I like that art style that they use in season three so much. And it just never found its way into season four. Yeah. That is something I've noticed because when I was watching it, originally I watched on my laptop instead of on my TV, and something felt weird about it. I was like, it looks more, I can't even find the word for it, but yeah, it seems a bit different from previous seasons. And I was like, maybe, like Mike had said, maybe it's just, it's been a while, but yeah, there was something about Also, the, the time movement. jumps of the character designs are slightly different. <laughs> That yeah, that 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 too. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean not not a big disappointment, but yeah, I I kind of do miss the um the, the way it was before. Something it felt like not maybe gradier, if that makes any sense. Like those like the, the edges of like some of the characters felt I I don't want to get into like PC <laughs> talk and stuff. It just it felt it didn't feel 
as complete for some reason but yeah. yeah i mean the lighting wasn't bad i i'll yeah. give it to that department the lighting looked good i liked the the, the hair animations and i really appreciated the the backgrounds and the mm. scenery i mean rex igneous's lair that scene Sounds was incredible great. with all the opals like the moon opal and it just looks so beautiful it's just when you get in these extreme close-ups on callum's face on ezrin's face on mm. even viren's face i'm thinking guys it's got to move a little bit more you know, like the voice work is incredible. Like the casting is so good for this show, but like, that's what it was. Why, why are the facial animations not moving? Yeah, it, yeah. Like he said it could have been uh, the pandemic just affected production on this season. Um, if you go back, another anime reference: My Hero Academia season five kind of suffered a little bit mm -hmm. um, in the animation department. And much like this season of the Dragon Prince, it's considered one of the weaker seasons. But that season was all set up. And now we get right. to season six, which is now considered the best season of My Hero Academia. <laughs> and it's also gorgeous because they figured out how to work in a pandemic going into this season and everything's back on model. It looks terrific. So mm -hmm. Dragon Prince might be in a similar boat. Um, you mentioned Rex Igneous's lair and that entire journey, those last few episodes, James. That was great. How do you think that was kind of as a close to this season? I thought it was fantastic personally. I, I agree with you, Mike. It was just, uh, it was basically everything that I'm used to getting from the Dragon Prince in terms of the sense of adventure, but it had a bigger scale. Maybe because, you know, you're looking for the map to where Erevos' prison is. That That's a, a big mission in and of itself. But this layer was huge. Rex Igneous is huge. It's just this larger than life adventure for these very small characters but they really did a good job at giving us that sense of adventure and that was my biggest thing coming into the season i wanted that sense again like we got in episode i'm sorry in seasons one through three but now in season four the way they ended that final act for me was the strongest stretch of episodes uh, i think it's episode eight episode seven or eight where the pacing is so darn good to where when it started to when it ended i actually forgot that th these are only 20 to 30 minute episodes. Yeah. I felt like I was in this world for so much longer. And that's what yes. I think is so darn good about this show when it's at its peak and all the cylinders are firing, we get episodes seven, eight and nine, but when it's a little weaker, maybe slow, I think the product of that is episodes one through three. So there's really good points and there are some really low points in this season, but the final act Mike was just out of this world. Yeah. I, I loved, I love all of the characters, I think, really shine in, in that in those final few episodes, too, because they all get their moment to, to, to shine. We get to see why Callum is the way he is, why he's such a great character, why he's such a strong mage. We get to see why Ezrin is such a good leader, his empathy, his compassion, his smarts, too, considering how young he is. We get to see Rayla, her sense of duty, her willingness to protect her friends and do whatever it is necessary like her giving up her blades right you hear mm. how much they mean to her that was such a great moment because she was without question willing to part with it if that was going to get the job done so they can stop Erebo, so they can bring about peace in this world finally and i think that's what it like you said it's it's the heart of the dragon prince right it, the stakes are high it's just clicking on all cylinders i feel like it's a fantastic conclusion to this season even though i'm greedy and i wanted a couple more episodes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it was it was really solid overall once we got once we got the gears turning we hit the ground running a bit post episode 4 um christian what about you how do, how are your thoughts on kind of the the wrap up or even just like the journey to Rex Igneous and how that all kind of comes to a head. 
the the journey to Re- uh, Rex Igneous was very well worth it. And when we finally, you know, meet this this Earthbender dragon, I guess you can call him. But uh, <laughs> he he's he's I mean he's very stubborn. In you know they didn't realize that they had to bring these trophies or offerings. You know when they're going through each of the challenges to get to like his final lair. I it was it was a great idea to show how grand his domain actually is. It's not just, Oh, well, let's just like walk inside this mountain and Oh, there's, there's Rex. We can just go talk to him. It's like, no, it, it takes time to get to his lair. And then when everyone's willing to part with their, their most prized possessions, he kind of just scoffs at it. And he's like, well, he's like, I, I literally have everything I could ever imagine. And then that's when, um, two knives, a hat and a stick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it, you know, and then he went with, uh, with Ezra and he kind of just, it clicks. He's like, Oh, he's like, you know, you can have every, you have everything you've ever wanted, but it's something you're looking for something that you've never experienced. And then I'm assuming that was like a, a, like a chocolate, jelly tart kind of thing brown sludge tart so make of that what you will (laughs) (laughs) i I assume he invented chocolate and he didn't just come up with a good name for it yet yeah that's that's what i was thinking too i pray that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) um okay (laughs) it's very wong shi tong right where we were going to get this map this great knowledge um and it's just really funny having Jack DeSena in book four Earth having to go to this giant, this giant and say, hey, we need your help. And the building starts crumbling <laughs> after, as they leave. Was that, was that intentional? <laughs> I would have laughed if Callum made some, took a string and offered it to Rex. <laughs> I would have been like, this is too much for me right now. He was like, look, oh, I guess that counts as knowledge <laughs> in Washington. Yeah. I thought that would have been funny, but that yeah. would have been too much. The reference was already too strong. <laughs> I I know, I know. Oh my gosh, that 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 I would have had to pause the episode for like at least twenty minutes just to kind of like recollect myself. But no, yeah, Rex's lair was it was fantastic, and then you 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 see the empathy that Rex has for you know Zim losing his father, but yeah. you know when he turns into like a wolf, I was like, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. But you know, it kind of just all crumbles down where you know you have claudia coming in and he thinks he's being deceived and you know dragons are very intelligent creatures usually throughout any fantasy genre it's always known that like dragons are at least the closest source to magic and it shows how intelligent they actually are but yeah it's very um hmm. rex was a he, he was he, he was a stubborn man a stubborn dragon altogether but i i really loved how it ended because it just ramped up from there and i was like oh my gosh i, I was like how are they going to end all of this and they, they definitely pulled it off nice. yeah i'd like to ben cotton uh the voice actor for uh, rex igneous uh, mm-hmm. he did a really solid job if anything i know he was in the show for like a very short amount of time but he probably made me at least feel the most vested in his character because we're already familiar with Sorn and everybody, but this mm. is a new character that I feel like I am now like I'm in love with, you know, I want to yeah. see more Rex Igneous. You probably won't, but like of the new characters we've been introduced to like Nathan, Prince Kareem, and now Rex Igneous. For me, I think Rex is 
the best of that bunch. I mean, the, don't the forget Terry. Stealer. Terry. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting about Terry. You know why I keep forgetting about Terry? I feel like they're building slowly but surely to t- Terry turning on that group because he's yeah. a he's a he, I think he's a good guy to a degree. He did kill someone, so maybe not. But he is going to be that one puzzle piece. I think that is still an unknown. I don't mm. even know if Claudia necessarily trusts him after everything. We got to see the aftermath of that because. Terry was like, you know, supporting her and everything. And this was the first time he pushed back on Claudia. Yeah. So could Terry do the Soren thing and go to the good guys? I don't know. It's, Maybe. It's strange to me, um, Terry, as a, just as a character, because, yeah, he's put up with everything um, with, with no pushback. And it's like, this is the moment where you turn on it. Like her just deceiving Rayla was the, was the nail in the coffin for This you. is where I draw the line. It's like, <laughs> Adam... El- Elves got to stick together, Mike. Maybe, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, uh, I think that's why that moment just didn't necessarily hit for me. Because it's like, look, by all things, she didn't necessarily, she didn't actually like throw the coins in the lava. That's the thing. Like if she actually doomed her her parents, I get it. But it's just like, she's, they're still on her. She had them the entire time. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Was it personal for Terry? Because remember, Terry uh, wasn't, uh, he didn't like being called what he was called. Like, he didn't feel respected by his people. And he clearly, very clearly, is an outcast. And Rayla, in a sense, is because she's, again, a moonshadow elf that won't kill, like Erevo said. So she already feels outcasted, too. So maybe at that moment, it clicked and he said, you know what? I actually empathize with Rayla and you need to correct this fast. Mm. And I'm like, oh, Terry, where's the overalls in the relationship? Good for you. (laughs) Right. He's just a dude. Just he's this is a stand-up guy. Terry's a stand-up guy. He killed Terry, someone. Well, besides that, eh, you know, so did Superman's killed too. Out of never. love, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. No, I'm kidding. Whatever. I, I think Terry get, gets some hate mainly because he's the new character who was introduced early on in the season, and mm. we had too many fart jokes uh, with his character early on, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I can see why some people don't enjoy him. I think overall, though, he's fine. He, he's harmless. <laughs> Do you yeah. guys I mean, like the humor this season? Speaking of fart jokes. It's hit or miss. Well, Zim's <laughs> mother had, you know, when... Um, yeah. The... Uh... <laughs> I know what you're gonna say the dragon that. jokes and she yeah. but it's it's funny and I, I enjoy how they're actually giving the these dragons their own personality because it just felt like a fun little moment there where um oh my gosh I'm blanking on his name again I'm sorry it's um Soren was like telling the dragon jokes and they they, they have a nice little like mutual respect between Soren and Zim's mother. Um I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah um I don't know the, the the humor. I felt like this was a more serious season, but there were funny moments throughout. But maybe Terry did make a few little f- too many fart jokes. <laughs> I'm. Just, I mean, I've only watched it once so far, so it, I mean, I do want to watch it again. It's just he seems to be the or like with Soren, kind of like the two jokesters almost mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. but. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really say there was too many moments where I was chuckling. Besides the yip yip part, that had me dying. Like yeah, it really did. I was I was not expecting that at all, and I was like, why would he know? But yeah, it, it is. What it is. But I thought it was hysterical. I, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna add that I think the um, humor it, it, it's hit or miss. There were some really laugh out loud moments, but there are also I feel like 
coming off of season three, which was by far the, the darkest season up to this mm-hmm. point, you know, going straight into episodes one, two, and three, and it's like the humor the humor is kind of all over the place. It's kind of especially once you start introducing introducing fart jokes, it's very juvenile, and it's like. I'm cool with with jokes. I don't need it to be like the bare minimum, like the, the lowest comedy possible. Lowest form of comedy, yeah. With a fart joke, especially what the only reason I found it slightly funny is that it kind of started to feel like it was a weird fetish for Claudia, which is just another layer of humor oh, there for it. <laughs> you learn more about a character. I know, you know right? But turns around. <laughs> but for me, I feel like it kind of it, it leveled out again, the closer we got to the end of the season because it started going back to what we came to love about the Dragon Prince, where it can be lighthearted, it can be fun, it is a family adventure, but it still was able to balance the humor with more serious moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. will say that uh, that in the first three episodes, I do, I agree with you guys. Uh, while the humor wasn't like top tier compared to season three, they threw the kitchen sink in episodes one and two. The whole flossing scene with Soren, the, oh, the yeah. fart jokes, and the <laughs> petrichor, like it, it to me, it, it feels like they thought, okay, you know what, we're gonna front load this with lighthearted jokes and then we're going to get into serious stuff but like you said mike if you're going to do that you guys are capable of making scenes that have like highbrow comedy like it's it's going to be something that both adults and kids can understand but yeah. those jokes i think were just a little too childish yeah they're like oh it's true like all oh, the kids are doing it i was like i mean flossing's i mean i guess it's still a thing but it's not like a big internet fad anymore but it also i'm like okay so when was that line recorded because so we don't really know i have no clue but yeah it's, like, one yeah, of those, right. it's one of those things that'll just be immortalized now in the dragon prince like shiri's what are those yeah in Black panther one <laughs> it's like i had to tell my mom I'm like you know that's a that was a meme right she's like yeah. from the movie like no it didn't come from the movie. movie the movie put it in there now it's extremely dated yeah but she yeah it, you- so she was cool with it i'm just every time i watch it now i'm just like uh that's weird <laughs> Well, even with like the planking episode in like the office, but it's so it's like th- that's yeah. always been an issue when it comes to like TV where they try to force like some kind of like fat in. It's like it's it's not evergreen, essentially. Right. So it's like it's funny for a time, but then but I don't know the planking episode was so funny <laughs> during the office. I think it, for some reason it works there, but for flossing, I was like, yeah, like I could take it or leave it. Parkour. I, 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 I think the reason the flossing didn't work is because the show became a little too rooted in our reality. Like we're yeah. in that world of Catullus. Like I don't need to know that the characters know about what How we're doing flossing. on Earth. Like yeah. no thanks. <laughs> that's true. That's very it, true. It's why um, again or create your back. own version of it, like they do in uh, Abbott Elementary with desking. So yeah. it's like it's it's referencing something. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike, but you're good. It's referencing something. Obviously, it's referencing like planking or just fads that kids do in Eva Elementary. So they do the desking thing. They would have done something similar in Dragon Prince. It probably would have worked a little bit better. Yeah, come up with their and again, like it's it's such a rich universe. Mm. They don't have to pull from our reality, and that That's it's true. moments like that 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 pull me out of it a little bit. But that said, it, it didn't affect my overall enjoyment of the season or anything. No, no, not at all. Guys, did you have anything else you wanted to, to tackle before we call it a, an episode? Honestly, I I, I want to say that um, the standout for me this season, and I'm really curious to hear your guys' standouts, the one character that I felt for me stood out in every scene, it's not a popular choice, and 
maybe it is after this season, but Soren. For me, oh, Jesse yeah. Inokawa's like voice work for him was so good. And Soren actually got decent character development towards the end of this season. And seeing his father, who we thought was dead, trying to convince Claudia to come back to the good side. It's like, mm-hmm. this is giving me like really like mature vibes right now. And it all centered around Soren. I mean, even Rayla. Rayla decided, you know, of course, like, yeah, you go and do your own thing, Soren. And then she felt guilt about Soren possibly dying and then of course relief seeing Soren that he's alive but Soren is the catalyst this season for so many different uh character moments and, and growth opportunities for our characters so I think Soren was the MVP this year or this season I would actually agree with that yeah I, I would say so because everyone else I mean you know they all had great character moments but he really was the I think he was a standout usually for me it's always like been Rayla but for some reason yeah I really liked what they did with Soren this season I thought it was it was uh, it was a nice addition to his character. Like he's he's not just like the butt of a joke or like oh you know it's just Claudia's sister. You know like he like you know he switched to to the good side and that's it. <laughs> like but you know him finding out that his father is alive. It's like because Claudia yeah. didn't say anything. She knew. And it's just like she, she sat like, oh, there man. all night and said nothing. Nothing. She's, uh, she's nothing. trifling, man. I don't like her at all. <laughs> So I yeah. was like crapping his pants. I was like, I probably would have done the same thing. That is a big shock. Yeah. I mean, especially again, two years insane that. And he's up for like the grieving period already. And it's like, I mean, two, I mean, that's a long time. So yeah. Yeah. Soren is definitely, definitely one of my favorites characters, especially because Soren was never my favorite character throughout the story. Okay. So I really like what they were able to do with him to make him feel important because like yeah it always felt like he was somewhat of a foil early on and then he is just claudia's goofy brother but now we were able to like have a defined role for him this season and like you said james give him somewhat of a character arc going forward i thought was really good um my standout for this season that's tough oof i love the i loved all the new characters we met i think that that is one of my favorite aspects of this season, um, especially since the foundation is so strong. We already have great characters with Rayla, Callum, Ezrin, and even Zem. Meeting someone like Rex Xenius, meeting all of these other creatures throughout this world, like the stone oh, <laughs> guards yeah, that at the great. door, they're fantastic. <laughs> also, shout out to Bait for helping get that door open at the end. Oh, yeah. Bait is dope. Bait is great. Bait is always great. <laughs> gotta love him. Gotta love our little glow toad. But yeah, like just reestablishing the characters we know, but then also expanding the universe as a whole as we move forward, I think is the the highlight of the season for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's, you know, we're dipping in the shadow, shallow end right now. And it's, it's, it's going to get better. Like, I mean, not saying the season wasn't terrible. It's just, this is a setup for obviously more things. Again, people somehow forget how TV works. And. Right, like we're not gonna. This is like you guys say, it's not a movie. But also, I think people maybe aren't thinking that way when it comes to Netflix because it's even though this is a TV show, like you can easily blast through this in an afternoon, which makes it feel like a movie. So then they're like, okay, well, what about X, Y, and Z, yada yada yada? And it's like, well, it's still a TV show. Like, there's gonna be a lot of questions left unanswered. And again, like they they had us nibbling for those little bits towards the ends, those loose ends. And I think they 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 killed it. They 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 landed um, the uh, the season finale like just 
they, they they killed it. It was it was amazing. I'm with you. They really did a great job bringing this all together as we get to the end. Guys, I, I think that's a wrap on the Dragon Prince. Unless you have anything else you guys wanted to, to add, let me know. <laughs> oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, too. I, I thought this was so much fun. And, Mike, thanks for bringing us together again, talking Dragon Prince. Because, like, Christian, this is the first time I'm openly talking about this outside of my channel. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a blast, guys. Thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to join me. It's been a fun episode. Um, we're going to wrap this thing up, guys. If you enjoyed this, again, give us a like and subscribe so you don't miss any more of the chatter after, so you don't miss any more Dragon Prince coverage, because I feel like we have to come back oh, when season five <laughs> eventually hits in like four years. Hopefully it won't take that long. Hopefully no, I'm, I, wild guess. I think season five comes out in the middle of next year. Oh! I hope so. They need to start making this like they do Cobra Kai, where we, all of a sudden we get two <laughs> two seasons in a ten month span. I forgot that happened. Well, I binged everything all at once, so it was just one giant thing for me. But yeah, I forgot they did that. That has to be a wild ride binging all of Cobra Kai for the. It was a time. lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I'm like, so many people were switching sides. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, this what. It's peak fiction. I don't. It, it's peak it's fiction. amazing. <laughs> and, you know, we finally he he was refusing to watch uh, Cobra Kai for so long. We finally <laughs> won him over. That's got to be another episode by itself one day. <laughs> yeah. But, James, thanks again for joining us. Where can people find you, man? What you got coming up? Of course. And again, thanks for having us, Mike. You guys can find me on YouTube. You can just search Real James, R-E-E-L James, where we talk about the Dragon Prince, movies, TV, and a whole lot of news. And on social media, just search at It's Real James, and you'll find me on all major platforms. Awesome. Make sure you subscribe over there because a lot of great content every single week. Eulenberg! <laughs> what you got so, coming up? Oh, man. So, again, thank you so much for putting this together, Mike, because I really wanted to talk about the season, and my co-host is not the biggest fantasy like nerd in the world. Like It was a miracle <laughs> to get him to cover House of the Dragon with me every single week. But you can find my audio-only podcast, uh, Film Optics, that is Optics with an X, on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Um, as of right now, we uh, just finished our Causeway review that dropped last week. That's now streaming on Apple TV+. And at, by the time that this is out, our Black Panther Wakanda Forever review will be out for people to listen to as well. And we have a few other things we're going to be covering uh, uh look forward to our willow episode one through three review dropping on november 30th and of course uh the menu that movie's coming up pretty soon i believe so so you know we have a lot of crazy things we've been covering on the podcast uh smile Noah Holmes too uh breaking down house of the dragon every single week unfortunately covering black adam but hey you know we needed something to fill the gaps so though it, it is what it is what it is but definitely um Right now through Twitter, we're experiencing some difficulties. Um, our handle is at Film Optics on Twitter, but you can actually find us um, at Film Optics on Instagram, and you can find me um, right now. I'm just pushing all of our episodes on my personal Twitter, which is uh, at C. Eulenberg, E-U-L-I-N-B-E-R-G. But yeah, thank you again so much for having us on. This was a blast because i was i was looking i'm like man like i really just wanted to talk dragon prince because again fantasy nerds stay winning this year and just like, we're also getting that dragon via the, the dragon age 
uh, series as well. Yes. <laughs> and the the Witcher uh, blood thing with uh, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Michelle, so. yeah. Yep. And his dark material. Any historic material fans out there? I'm just saying. But you know what we're not getting, guys? We're not getting any live action Avatar The Lost Airbender on Netflix. My heart, <sighs> my heart breaks. Rumor <laughs> has it next year. I there still don't know the show exists. I need a poster or something. At this yeah, point. I, I, I need I need more confirmation <laughs> than casting. <news. laughs> guys, it's it's fun. It's been fun. We have to talk about all the fantasy coming up next year as well because we're gonna we're getting a lot throughout the year. It's a blast. If you enjoyed this, check out our episode. We I interviewed Michelle uh, Jill Murphy for the Chatter After Voice of Toph Beifong. If you like Avatar: The Last Airbender, I think you'd enjoy that video as well. Um, subscribe to the Amateur Otaku Podcast, where we're covering anime every single week. My Hero Academia, Bleach, Chainsaw Man. I think Isaac is reviewing One Piece Red, the movie. It's a musical for some reason. I I don't understand that show at all but it sounds like a blast so check that out over there christian mentioned peak fiction allegedly <laughs> one piece is peak fiction nobody else knows because nobody's putting in the hours to watch it but well that what, what's <laughs> peak fiction is that ash ketchum is finally the world's greatest trainer about time <laughs> <laughs> we, our boy did it so. took him 25 years but he Woo! finally pulled it off <laughs> finally caught him all <laughs> until next did time he? guys <laughs> keep watching movies <laughs>